From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up. If they vote no on everything uh, in terms of the kinds of change that America needs, then our caucus will have to get together and figure out how to get it done. That was Senate Slight Majority Leader Chuck Schumer complaining about Republicans not going along with their extreme legislation. Will Senate Democrats blow up the legislative filibuster in order to pass the left's top priorities like the Equality Act? And is the Equality Act a threat to our first freedom? We'll uh, talk about it with Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn. Also get her to weigh in on Speaker Pelosi's comments about the crisis on our southern border. Uh, the, uh, this is a humanitarian challenge to all of us. Uh, what the administration has inherited is a broken system at the border, and they are working to correct that in the children's interest. Speaking of the broken system that is now in place on our border, yesterday a delegation of Republicans from the House went to the border to observe the unfolding crisis, which has really reached, believe it or not, historic levels. That's saying a lot. One of the members of the delegation, Texas Congressman Michael Cloud, joins us with a firsthand report. And the Biden administration keeps trying to rewrite recent history and overrule science. That was Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell pushing back on President Biden's announcement last week in his speech to the nation that Americans might, might be able to gather together in our backyards by the 4th of July. Oh, how generous. Remember how woke corporations uh, in America added to their virtue signaling to the left after the riot on Capitol Hill in January? They announced they would not give campaign contributions to any member of Congress that questioned the presidential election results. Well, how has that impacted fundraising for conservative members of Congress? Well, the answer may surprise you. Former RNC chairman and former chief of staff for President Trump, Reince Priebus, is here with us later on Washington Watch. And make room for your list of horribles. The latest bill being voted on in the House, the Violence Against Women Act. What does uh, what does it do? Well, one thing it does do is extreme violence to the Bill of Rights. We'll be uh, joined by FRC Director of Federal Affairs, Family and Religious Liberty, Mary Beth Waddell a little later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, the free speech platform, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. That's at Tony underscore Perkins. And let me remind you, tomorrow night, Pray Vote Stand, 8 p.m., a powerful program on the Equality Act and its light version, the Fairness for All. We're going to talk about that tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure to tune in. That is at prayvotestand.org. All right, speaking of the Equality Act, this creates an uneven playing field, literally. The legislation would classify men who identify as women as biological females who can legally dominate women's sports um, with, you know, with, with no repercussions. I mean, they can use women's locker rooms, uh, but that isn't all. The Equality Act also takes aim at religious freedom. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But in the two months of the Biden administration that they've been in place, we're already seeing a crisis of historic proportions at the southern border. Now, take a listen to what Ambassador Roberta Jacobson, coordinator of the southern border, had to say about this historic surge. Surges tend to respond to hope. 
and there was a significant hope for a more humane policy after four years of you know pent up demand. So I don't know whether I would call that a coincidence, but I certainly think that the idea that a more humane policy would be in place may have driven people to make that decision. A humane policy of not enforcing the law that has resulted in a record, a record number of unaccompanied minors making as young as six and seven years old coming across the border by themselves. You call that humane? Joining me now to talk about all of this is U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Senator, welcome back to the program. I am so pleased to join you, and I tell you, this humanitarian crisis at the southern border is heartbreaking. When you think about these children that are being put in the care of coyotes and cartels and brought to that border, they're being abused along the way. Some of them end up in labor gangs and human trafficking and sex trafficking rings. Some of them are going into different types of gangs, violence, drug trafficking, and it is heartbreaking that these young people, these children, are facing this as their life and what they're going to experience. So that, in my book, is not humane treatment. Well, and and this is a crisis, but it's a crisis of this administration's own making. Yes, you're exactly right. You know, President Trump had um, had some provisions in place that I think are that should have remained. Had the Biden administration done nothing, if they had kept the Trump administration asylum policy, if you claim asylum, go back to your country, and we will deal with the asylum issue or the remain in Mexico policy. They were never brought here. Or the migrant protection protocols. Those are things that should have been left in place. They were not. Basically, they ripped those up. And just like Pelosi ripped apart that State of the Union speech last year, Mm-hmm. And they threw those away. And, Tony, now what you have is an absolute mess because people have interpreted, whether it is the cartels, the coyotes, or people in Central American countries, plus you look at what's happening with people from China, from the Middle East, that are paying tens of thousands of dollars to the cartels to come into the United States. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's horrific what is happening. We'll talk more about that next segment with uh, Congressman Michael Cloud. I, I was there uh, after the Trump protocols were put in place, and it looked like a ghost town. Hardly anything was happening. That's not the case now. I want to move on, Senator, to something you've been leading out on, and rightfully so, because it is an attack on women. It's an attack on women in many ways. You, a lot of the, the issues, or a lot of the focus, rather, has been on the sports aspect. But the Equality Act attacks womanhood in a variety of ways. And that's not all it attacks. Well, you're right about that. And it is of tremendous concern to us when you look at what is happening with women and their push for equality. Uh, You can go back 100 years to when women were fighting for the right to vote. 
and how they have pushed to reach equality. And now under this uh, Equality Act, it is anything but equality because it will give biological males who identify as females the right to compete in sports, to the right to compete for scholarships, the right to compete through extracurricular activities, to vie for placement in programs or in universities. They will be competing against women. And also, whether it is a domestic abuse shelter or a prison, what you will have is biological males who identify as female will be have to be invited into those shelters as a female. So, Senator Blackburn, you've been very outspoken on this. Um, you've also been very outspoken on the fundamental First Amendment freedoms that we have: of freedom of speech and freedom of worship, the freedom of religion. Those believe it or not, get caught up in this Equality Act. Oh, absolutely they do. Because what you would see with this is the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which is something you were for, it would be overridden by the provisions that are there in the Equality Act. And you know, Tony, I believe that everyone, every American should be treated equally they're guaranteed in the Constitution the right to be treated equally. Nobody mm -hmm. in this country is above the law. Nobody should receive preferential treatment from the law. But instead of establishing equal rights, what this does is to preference individuals who are a biological male who choose to identify as female. Now, there's something that stands in the way. It passed the House. It's now over in the Senate. Uh, it is uh, a, a legislative measure that will require a 60-vote threshold to move to a vote on the bill. That's called the filibuster. So the filibuster okay. kind of stands in the way. Does this put the filibuster at risk in the Senate because of how much emphasis the left has put on policies like the Equality Act? Well, of course, the left is going full steam ahead with their agenda. They are trying to ramrod this agenda through because they know they're going to lose the House and the Senate in 2022, if not before. And so they are pushing as hard as they can to get these provisions through, whether it was the American Rescue Act, their COVID relief bill, which didn't have a whole lot to do with COVID. 91% right. of the bill had to do with other than COVID or COVID vaccines or distribution or getting shots in arms. They also have the PRO Act, which would do away with right-to-work states. They have two bills that would infringe on your Second Amendment rights and require background checks, even if you want to give a firearm to your brother or your son or your daughter. They are trying to push forward with this Equality Act to preference individuals uh, from the LGBTQ community. Uh, and I, I just find it really sad 
that this is where the and I have to tell you, Tony, I've got a lot of friends who are independents and Democrats, and they are stunned, absolutely stunned, that Joe Biden, who they thought was going to be a moderate, has done a pivot and has taken up and agreed with these far-left issues that the Democrat leadership is pushing. Yeah, surprise, surprise. So, Senator uh, Marshall Blackburn, what should our listeners be doing when it comes to the Equality Act and some of these other radical policies they're pushing? Well, first of all, they need to be praying uh, for mercy uh, for for this country. And then uh, they should also uh, contact Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, two Democrats, who have said that they will continue to support the filibuster. They need to encourage them. Uh, if they live in a state with a Democratic senator, they need to call that senator's office and register their opposition. Yeah, good advice, and we will certainly encourage all of our listeners to do that. Senator Marsha Blackburn, as always, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for stopping by today. All right, coming up next, Congressman Michael Cloud was at the border yesterday with a delegation of Republicans from the House seeing firsthand what is happening at the border. He's going to join us next with a firsthand account of that. And still to come, we're going to be talking with Reince Priebus, going to talk about corporate America that is cutting off conservative lawmakers in terms of their campaign contributions. What has been the effect? He's going to have an update on that coming up. Don't go away. We're back with more after this. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I, I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the World's Foremost Violator of Religious Freedom. To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash North Korea. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. 
We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, in the previous segment, we uh, we touched on the issue of the border. We uh, heard from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi blaming President Trump for the crisis at the border. It, it's really amazing. This administration hasn't even been in place two months. I mean, we're almost there, almost to two-month mark. Um, and they've already, they've already, it's a train wreck. What is happening at the southern border is a disaster. And they're like a cat in the sandbox trying to cover their tracks on this. Here was the uh, White House press secretary, Misaki, yesterday uh, talking about this. We recognize this is a big problem. Uh, the last administration uh, left us a dismantled uh, and unworkable system. And like any other problem, uh, we are going to do everything we can to solve it. Uh, so our focus here is on solutions. <laughs> I was at the border um, about a year ago, actually just almost uh, almost a year ago uh, to the date. And as I mentioned earlier, it was like a ghost town. The problems have been solved. It was the, the policy been put in place, stay in Mexico, you're going to apply, we'll process you. But until your number comes up, you're going to stay on the other side of the border. Uh, that's not the case now. A historic number of children now coming into the country unaccompanied. Now, remember how big of a problem that was at the beginning of the Trump administration? It's eclipsed that. Why? Well, joining me now to talk more about this is uh, Congressman Michael Cloud. He represents the 27th Congressional District of the Lone Star State. Uh, he is a member of the National Security Subcommittee, and he was on the border yesterday with a delegation of Republicans from the House, and he joins us now. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you. It's good to be back with you. So, Congressman, what did you see at the border yesterday? Well, this is, you know, my I've taken a number of trips there, maybe four or five over the last couple of years. Uh, yesterday we visited the uh, El Paso Central Processing Center. And so this is a facility that was built about a year ago, uh, was built to uh, supposedly be able to hold any major surge of activity, uh, it was built to expand. And while we were there yes, uh, yesterday, it was the first day that they reached capacity, just a year after it was built. Uh, and they were already looking to kind of put some sort of makeshift place to, to process people in, in the parking lot. Um, and so this is 
tragic. Uh, it's 1,040 people at capacity there. Of that, about 800 to 900 of them were unaccompanied minors. Um, and so it's, it's sad uh, to see that we're at this point. And for you know, certainly the Biden administration to, to continue to point fingers at the Trump administration uh, is really disingenuous at best. So, Congressman, from you've been there four or five times. You've seen the progression. As I said a year ago, I was there, and, I mean, literally, Border Patrol agents were kind of twiddling their thumbs because there just wasn't that many people coming in. What's changed since a year ago? Well, a number of executive orders came down, some on day one, uh, again, of the Biden administration. Um, One of the big things was the Remain in Mexico policy. Uh, where basically we said, okay, you, if you're going to come avail yourself and claim asylum and all these kind of things, you're going to wait in Mexico until until your court date. Um, and what that did was it took away the magnet uh, of, of people coming here. And when we talk about this, it's really important to understand that this is not this organic surge of people uh, yearning for freedom and prosperity. And certainly there's an element of that. But this is a cartel-driven uh, phenomenon. Uh, of which they profit thousands of dollars off of each migrant um, that comes across. And so we're looking in February at 100,000 migrants that we say were apprehended, and, and we use that term. Usually they're apprehending our guys. Actually, they're hunting us down um, as opposed to us arresting them, so to speak. But 100,000. And so we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars just in the human trafficking aspect, uh, not to mention the, cart- the drug cartel and, and many of the other things that these cartels have their fingers in. And we're, in a sense, aiding and abetting them with our, our policies now. The, the president, in his executive order regarding the southern border, he says, quote, securing our border does not require us to ignore the humanity of those who seek to cross them. He says, we are both, uh, and this comes from the Homeland Security Director, Secretary, we are a nation of laws and a nation of immigrants, uh, both of which are true. We are a nation of laws and immigrants, but legal immigrants, uh, not people coming here to break the law. That's what we're talking about. Here. We're talking about people that are entering the country illegally. Right. And, and it's an important, it's easy to conflate these two issues. Uh, immigration and border security are related, but they are different issues. My wife is an immigrant, and so... I was at her citizenship ceremony when she said the Pledge of Allegiance for the first time, and others were there as well, uh, becoming citizens with tears streaming down their face. They had gone through the process. They had done it right. And there's definitely some room for discussion on what we can do to to reform that process and make it better. Agreed. Agreed. But but border security is essential to us being a nation. And if you think of what we're doing – as these nations, Mexico and these other nations in Central and South America, are trying to develop stable economies where they can have, uh, you know, a thriving population and incomes come up, but with a cartel influence creating such a destabling, corrupting force in their countries, and we're by and large funding it. We talk to people at the border, you know, our, our our great men and women who signed up to serve and to protect and, and to secure the border, and, and they said many of them are feeling now. The morale is low. Some are quitting because they feel like they're now just part of the cartel mechanism in a sense. So mm-hmm. we're the last mile, so to speak. The cartel brings them this far, then we process them. Then uh, our our capacity is getting overwhelmed in so many aspects, and so we either release them to the public uh, where the, they're picked up 
oftentimes by the cartels uh, who keep track of them. Right. Um, and, and so this is devastating. They're, they're, they're having to pay thousands of dollars. Uh, they continue to owe the money even after they get here. And unfortunately, some are taking them out. Uh, many, many young ladies are getting abused in the process as well. Wow. And I would think the Border Patrol agents are getting whiplash with the radical change. I mean, the d dramatic changes between administrations when it comes to the policies on the border. Uh, Congressman Cloud, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. As always, uh, great to talk with you. Thank you very much. God bless you. All right. Thank you. Same to you. Big problem, folks. It's all about the policies. It was not this way a year ago. Why? Because we had different policies. We had someone that was upholding the law, putting America first. Coming up next, corporate America cutting off donations to conservatives. What's the results? Reince Priebus is here next. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download, or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Right after the uh, January riot on Capitol Hill, dozens of woke U.S. companies announced that they would halt donations to the 147 Republican lawmakers who voted um, in such a way as questioning the outcome of the presidential election, representing their constituents. So the question is, is corporate America losing its punch when it comes to waving around its money? Joining me now to talk about this, Reince Priebus. 
He is uh, the president of the Michael Best Law Firm, former White House chief of staff to President Trump and former chairman of the Republican National Committee. Reince, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Always a pleasure to be on with you, brother. Now, you know a little bit about raising money because you did a lot when you were at the RNC, and uh, corporations tend to give to both sides. But corporate America is really tracking left uh, these days, and it looked like they thought they were going to throw their weight around in announcing they were cutting corporate donations, political donations, to those Republicans who questioned the outcome of the election. What's been the result? Well, it's interesting, Tony. Um, Some of the PACs have pulled back. There's no doubt about that. If you look at the first quarter giving, I know we're not done yet, so we'll wait and see what happens in March. But PACs, in fact, have held back in comparison to 2019. And just for your audience, the PACs are the groups that companies sometimes raise money into that then give money to candidates and federal committees like the Republican National Committee, Senatorial Committee, Congressional Committee. But what's happened, Tony, is that individual giving has actually gone up. I mean, I look at these numbers and you look at the RNC and you look at the Congressional Committee and the Senatorial Committee. They had a great January and they had a and and it's going to be reported. They had a great February. So what's happening is that individuals out there, in spite of what companies are saying uh, to the general public, individuals out there are giving and they're giving in big numbers. I mean, the cash on hand numbers, Tony, at the RNC and you've got the cash on hand um, that the senatorial committee has. When do you start a cycle with 17 million cash on hand and the, the, the RNC at over 80 million cash on hand and had very solid months? So the individuals are making up for it and they're making up for it because Joe Biden has overreached. This trillion, $1.9 trillion package is an overreach, and he hit everyone between the eyes with these executive orders, and people are scared, and rightfully so. And, and to, be, to be real clear on this, when you talk about these uh, individual donations, we're not talking about huge dollar amounts. We're talking about $200 and less. So there's just a lot more people giving uh, smaller amounts, which is clearly offsetting the punch that corporate America thought they had and once did have. The individual donations coming into the Republican Party and its committees are record-breaking and unbelievable in the sense that for the first time in a long time, the Republican Party is going toe-to-toe with the Democrat Party on giving. And that is a testament to... Uh, the individuals out there that have decided to take on the Democrats with small dollar giving. And you're 100 percent correct. The uh, Reuters had a, a story about this, an article about it, which I thought was uh, very insightful. Uh, I don't want to quote from it. It said, quote, the biggest beneficiaries of raising small donor donations are often rabble rousing politicians who vow to take on the Washington establishment, end quote. And I say, that is absolutely correct. That is what has given us more conservative <laughs> candidates because there are platforms to raise money, and they're not accountable to corporate America and others. They're accountable to the people who elected them. And, you know, President Trump was one of the first candidates we've had run for president that was sort of capable of stirring enough 
of the ground game and the individual givers that would get online, they would answer a text and give $5. Yeah. For whatever reason, you know, look, Romney and even Bush so much, they just didn't have that kind of sort of infectious appeal. ground appeal that Trump had. And so what he did, to his credit, for as much as you hear about Trump, you know, battling with the party, he it was Trump that actually built this sort of small-dollar giving operation that's allowed us to break records. Now, we still have a long way to go. Uh, this act blue out there is unbelievable what the Democrats have built. But in one year, basically in one year, the Republicans are able to go toe to toe with individual giving at the small dollar rate. And it's really important because uh, for us to compete um, and do so in a way that's that's efficient, you have to master the small dollar giving with, yeah. the, with, with that kind of technology. And you're right about President Trump. Nearly half of his uh, $774 million in his presidential uh, race came from small donations of under $200. So he, he did teach the party a lot. Uh, you did well as as the uh, chairman of the RNC and as his chief of staff. And it's always great to have you on the program. So thanks so much for uh, stopping by. And don't stay away so long, right? Hey, anytime, Tony. Thank you, sir. All right. Good to talk to you. Reince Priebus. Good man. Uh, I wanted to share that with you. I've been holding it for a while. I wanted to get Reince on to talk about it. Because this is where you can have a tremendous impact in supporting candidates. Uh, you know, state Republican, uh, state uh, legislature, city council. Your money matters. So get involved personally. Volunteer, give money. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at uh, a bill coming up on the House floor tomorrow. Mary Beth Waddell from FRC is going to be joining me to give you the details. Don't go away. We're back with more after this. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication, 
clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Let me remind you again, tomorrow night, Wednesday evening, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Pray, Vote, Stand. Uh, you'll want to join us. Uh, Russ Vogt, the former director of the OMB under the Trump administration, will be joining us. We'll be talking about the Fairness for All Act. We'll be uh, joined also by uh, Kathy Grace Duncan. Uh, and we'll be joined by um, former fire chief of Atlanta, Kelvin Cochran. So that's 8 p.m. tomorrow night. Yesterday, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell took to the Senate floor to uh, address a portion of President Biden's speech last night, the first uh, the last week, the first speech that he had given to the nation last Thursday night. He uh, it was on the anniversary of the pandemic. Here is a portion of what uh, Senator McConnell had to say yesterday. President Biden also made news with a big proclamation that maybe, maybe, if citizens behave themselves, we'll be able to have small outdoor gatherings by July 4th. He made sure to stipulate that politicians reserve the right to clamp down again, however, but that carrot dangled before Americans with small outdoor gatherings about four months from now. This was bizarre and problematic on several levels. Number one, let's be clear, the federal government does not instruct free citizens how they may gather in small groups with their own families. About 10 months ago, many liberal politicians applauded massive outdoor gatherings because they supported a political cause. There's no science-based reason why a few fully vaccinated people couldn't get together outdoors right now not July the 4th, today. The, uh, where do I begin? The, the Biden administration, you know, there's CDC guidelines um, we talked about last week. But here the president saying, you know, look, um, maybe by July 4th you can gather in small crowds out in your backyard. It, well, first off, I fire up the grill every Saturday afternoon. And in fact, this makes me want to invite more people over. In fact, I was talking with a neighbor a couple of weeks ago. We haven't done this in a while, but we would uh, we'd roast a pig. And I think it's about time that every neighborhood start roasting pigs and get together. Um, because look, D.C. loves pork. 
It's clear with this coronavirus bill. $2 trillion, people ought to get a little pork, too. But the idea that the federal government, the, the, the Biden administration is going to be so generous to allow us to gather in our backyards, maybe by July 4th. Oh, how generous. Look, they don't give us our freedoms. They're there to protect our freedom. We need to use our freedoms in order to preserve them. I, I've Look, it was over a year ago. 15 days to slow the spread. We're going to be at 15 months, and we might be able to have a backyard barbecue. I'm finished with that. I think it's time the American people go on and live their lives. I mean, look at all of the unintended consequences. I was talking with a counselor last night, actually, working on a situation for someone. And they said, we don't have any openings. This is one I've known for years. We can't work anybody in because we are overwhelmed because of the pandemic. Uh, people just, I mean, they, they are, people have a lot of issues. And this has magnified them, this isolation that has taken place, churches being shut down, people not fellowshipping, fellowshipping families not getting together. Look, th- this has been a disaster for our country, and it's time to stop it. I was actually, I was, I would almost say amused this morning from the bastion of conservative news, the Weather Channel. Uh, that was tongue-in-cheek, by the way. Uh, the story on the mask, these disposable masks, you know, you're supposed to have a mask everywhere you go. And so now the there's this crisis of mask being disposed of. I don't know, you've probably seen anywhere, anywhere you go, you see a mask in the parking lot, you see a mask here, people just throw their mask around. Well, these masks, these these disposable masks have an element of plastic in them, so they don't, they're not biodegradable. They don't just go away. They will stay. In fact, apparently, there's more condensed plastic uh, components or elements in these masks than in a plastic garbage bag. And so these things are going to be around for years. And they're everywhere. Another unintended consequence of this whole thing of wearing masks. Anyway, um, I, I do appreciate Mitch McConnell calling out the president on this idea that they can extend to us, if we're in for good behavior, uh, the opportunity to, to get together maybe on July 4th. I say this, everybody, it's time to, especially as the weather gets better, time to crank up the barbecue pits and invite friends and family over and take a picture and send it to the White House. Let them know you're not waiting until July 4th. Okay, let me move on to take care of some more business here before I run out of time. Um, well, add to your list of horribles of this Congress and this administration the Violence Against Women Act. Now, this is it's it's been out there. It was originally intended to help victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and trafficking, but it has become hijacked by Democrats and every liberal, wacky idea that is out there. It's become a mule for all of these uh, leftist priorities. And that's coming up for a vote in the House. Joining me now to talk about this is FRC's Director of Federal Affairs, Mary Beth Waddell. Mary Beth, welcome back to Washington Watch. 
Glad to be here. Thanks, Tony. Okay, so let's talk about Violence for Women Act. A vote is scheduled for tomorrow. Is that correct in the House? Exactly. Tomorrow afternoon. All right. Tell our listeners what all this bill would do in its present form. Um, As you mentioned, VAWA itself uh, was initially intended for great purposes. But unfortunately, uh, the way this bill is drafted, it was it would further traumatize battered women. It would reduce resources for battered women. It would allow organizations that have been known to cover up abuse and sex trafficking to access these funds. It puts women who are incarcerated at risk of abuse. I mean, the bill itself, there are times where it has deleted the word women and put people or adults and youth. So right now, this is, I mean, it's primarily driven by the Democrats, but there there are some Republicans that are supporting it, I understand. And of course, a part of this is because of the deceptive nature of the titles and what its original intent were. Uh, how much support does this have among Republicans? Well, right now, there are only two co-sponsors, but that is one up from last year. And whenever this uh, went through the House Last year, or 2019, there were 33 Republicans who voted for it. So what do, uh, what do people need to do to um, talk to their legis- – I mean, what do they need to know in order to talk to their congressman about this bill? Well, they can go to our website and find our resources and find our alert into those 33 districts and to the freshman offices and let them know that they want VAWA to stand what VAWA is supposed to stand for, that it's supposed to be protecting these battered women who need a safe place to heal, both physically and emotionally. Yeah, we were talking earlier with uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn about the Equality Act, and there's elements of that even in here where... This would affect women in these, you mentioned the, the battered women in these battered shelters. This bill in itself opens the door to men who claim to be women to go into those shelters, does it not? Absolutely. And we've already seen the harms of allowing that. There was a shelter in California that allowed a biological man to reside in the shelter, and nine women filed a lawsuit for sexual harassment and assault. So the, uh, the, the the best thing to do, get the fact sheet. You go to TonyPerkins.com, follow the links over and, and get that, and contact your member of Congress and let them know that you have concerns about this, that you want to protect women, but this is not the vehicle uh, to do it. Uh, Mary Beth, what else do we have coming down the uh, the line here? I mean, it just seems like every day there's some other radical idea that the Democratic majority is pushing. Um, I mean, it's 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 moving so fast it almost gives you whiplash looking back and forth. What's what's next in line? Absolutely, tomorrow alone, not just this vote on VAWA. But there's also the vote on the Equal Rights Amendment that is similar to VAWA, you know, has a lot of these same implications, a lot of the same implications of the Equality Act, but has a great name um, and is completely unconstitutional. You know, there's already been a limit for that. And you also have on the Senate side on just tomorrow, just Wednesday, there will be a hearing on the Equality Act itself. Um, And that's just one day this week. Yeah, they are not wasting any time to try to push through their agenda items. And I was discussing, again, discussing this earlier with Senator Marshall Blackburn. 
about the, the one thing that stands in the way is the filibuster, the 60-vote mm-hmm. threshold that's needed. Now, of course, there have been Democratic members that you know, want to do away with that. I, and I didn't get into this conversation with Senator Blackburn because we ran out of time. Uh, but just like the filibuster, the 60-vote threshold that had been in place for judges that the Democrats eliminated – when the uh-huh. Republicans regained the majority, they didn't change that back. They used it to their advantage. And I think back over the last four years, the number of pieces of legislation that the Republicans had that they couldn't advance because of the 60-vote threshold. Um, I mean, the Democrats ought to think really hard before they change this rule because, I, again, I think given where they are taking America, there's going to be a strong pushback in the next election, and the Republicans could be in the majority and use the same rule change. They certainly could. You know, as you mentioned, it's already happened before. Um, This would really erode the foundation of the Senate as an institution, uh, make it more partisan, and you'd have tit for tat every time control switches uh, back and forth. So, yeah, I, I would agree and hope that they would think long and hard before they would make these these changes to the institution of the Senate. Yeah. All right. Again, uh, information for the Violence Against Women Act. You can go to TonyPerkins.com, follow links over. Um, also, um, here's the switchboard, Capitol switchboard, where you can call your member of Congress. It's 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. Also, if you go to TonyPerkins.com, we have a short link there that you can contact your local representative, your member of Congress, so that you can communicate with them your concerns about this deceptively named Violence Against Women Act. It, uh, again, initially had a good purpose, intent, but it's been hijacked, and it has all kinds of... uh, detrimental things uh, in this bill. In fact, uh, Mary Beth, one more thing before I I let you go. And also, uh, the Second Amendment uh, supporters are really concerned about this legislation as well, are they not? Yes, there are. There are provisions in VAWA that would strip Second Amendment rights away. Uh, And not without due process. So it's... Oh, yeah, no due process at all. Yeah, very, very concerning very bad piece of legislation. Mary Beth Waddell, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Appreciate all the work you do for us on Capitol Hill. Glad to be here. Thanks. So, folks, uh, there's your homework. Got a couple of things to work on. The Equality Act and the Fairness for All Act, which is uh, coming in its wake. It's uh, We're going to talk about that tomorrow night on the Pray Vote stand at 8 p.m. You'll want to tune in to that to find out more about what the Fairness for All, which is really the Equality Act light. Uh, it's just a, uh, well, anyway, it's the same thing. So need to call your senators, encourage them to stand firm against the Equality Act, and then you need to call your congressmen and encourage them to stand against the Violence Against Women Act. Again, switchboard number 202-224-3121. Go to TonyPerkins.com. More resources there for you. I just want to, if you haven't already picked up on it, folks, I want to warn you, in the next you know, at least two years, probably four, uh, you're going to have to be aggressive in communicating with your members of Congress, uh, your senator, your two senators, and your congressmen on these issues, even if they're, even if they're with you. 
even if they're conservative. It doesn't hurt to encourage them and support them in their stands. But they're hearing from a lot of other people, just like your kids. I tell you, you need to talk to your kids because they're hearing information from a lot of different places. Well, so are members of Congress. They need to hear from you. Our republic is not for spectators. It is for participants. If we want to keep it, we've got to be involved. And that's what we do here at the Family Research Council and at Washington Watch. We try to make it as easy as possible for you to engage. Another one of those tools is our Stand Firm app. We'll actually alert you to these types of legislative measures that are making their way through. We send you an alert, and it's basically a one-touch you can uh, communicate with your member of Congress. So go to the App Store and download the Stand Firm app. That way you can stay connected and engaged. We need you. We all need to be in this together. That sounds a little bit like that coronavirus thing that I don't like. But anyway, we are in this together. All right, folks, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com, and mark the calendar tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, PrayVoteStand.org. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.